Welcome, everyone, to episode number 76 of the Balancing Act podcast. I'm Andy Tempty. Today, we've got Kimo Kippen joining us as the first guest in our mini-series on the importance of building the skill of decision-making in individuals and in teams. Kimo is the founder of Aloha Learning Advisors and a council director at the conference board. He's also the former chief learning officer at Hilton. Thank you for sharing your talents and insights with us today, Kimo. Kimo, aloha to you. Aloha. aloha, and my pleasure to join you here today, Andy. Good to see you. Yes, good good to see you. As a disclaimer for our audience, uh, Kimo and I worked together a bit uh, at, uh, at the conference board, and I just really enjoyed our time together. Um, b- before we get started, we always do this. It would be great if you told our listeners your story. Yeah. Uh, very briefly, I would just say um, what I would like to share with you all and thank you, Andy, again for the opportunity. And just uh, to say that I'm born and raised from Hawaii. I'm actually about three quarters Hawaiian. My family's lived in Hawaii for about eight generations. And I spent a great deal of my time in, you know, in the hospitality space. Obviously, this being such a destination from a hospitality perspective, Hawaii. Uh, and I, I put myself through college and through university and through by working in restaurants. And so I started in this industry as a bus person. Um, and then moved up into other positions and then restaurant management, restaurant into leadership in restaurants, and uh, then got a job working at the Maui Marriott. And then from the Maui Marriott, moved to corporate headquarters in Bethesda, Maryland, uh, in the learning function. And then from there, moved to London to lead all efforts for learning globally outside of the US for Marriott, and then left Marriott to join a private entrepreneur based out of Rome. So we moved to Rome and then from Rome, he moved us to Monte Carlo, where I lived the next nine years in, in Monaco leading his efforts. He wanted to create and build a corporate university. He bought the exclusive rights to franchise a very large fast food restaurant change in all of the former Soviet Union and Europe. And so I led that effort. And, uh, and, and then after about, oh, Nine, ten, nine years, I decided to take an opportunity to move back to the States, and I actually went back to Marriott then to lead the learning function, uh, and then served in other HR, senior HR roles, leadership engagement, management engagement, all engagement for all employees, talent management or, or capability, more on the OD side. I then left... I left Marriott to become the chief learning officer for Hilton as part of its IPO process. So part of the senior leadership there. And that was very, very exciting to lead that effort. And then in 2000, at the end of 2018, I left my corporate role and set up my own shop. Uh, And if you will, as as a personal and private consultant, I really just wanted to spend more quality time giving back. So now I spend my time more as a consultant an advisor, and I'm really focused, I would just say, if I were to share very quickly with you my, my mission, my vision, and uh, my purpose, my, my purpose in life is to know significant and unconditional love, and which I have, very happy to say. Nice. And I would say from a, an a aspirational vision, I aspire to be a better citizen of the world. And then from a mission perspective, I, my whole focus is around how do we create greater learning to act to greater access to learning and education, thereby changing the life of that one individual and then generations to come. 
And I just see that happening over and over again, where you can just hear stories and those stories rolled up into, we know through great research that, you know, learning and education makes a huge difference to, again, the individual, but to the community and more important to a nation. And so we know for, again, through research that it actually, those cultures, those communities, those countries that focus more on education have better health results they have better longevity, and they also have higher GDPs. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of an, it rises, it raises all boats. You get to benefit from this. And so that's where I kind of, and by the way, that's sort of how I use, you know, we're going to talk about decision-making, but it's those three things, in addition to my own personal values, that I think about how, for example, now I make a decision on whether or not I want to do something or not. And I use everything, my values, plus what I've just talked about. And then one additional sort of filter that I use is, do I like them? (laughs) (laughs) And if I like them, uh, so for example, here I am today spending time with Andy. He and I have known each other for quite a few years. And, you know, it was also because Andy asked. And I I like you, I like him. Uh, and it makes a difference. I think he's doing really good work. And I think the work that, you know, and he's proven that from a business perspective. And now with the launch of his, his own book and the, the work that he's doing for, from his own organization consulting practice, he continues to do that. He continues to model that behavior. So I want to support that. And uh, I also like him. I also like you. So that makes uh, that makes a that makes a that helps me to make better decisions as to where I want to spend my time and my life. That's cool. So, Kimo, in that story, um, what I'm struggling to connect the dots on is how you got from bus person into learning. Yeah. What what does that look like? Uh, yeah, I would say one of the one was a pivotal point for me in my life uh, when I got to Marriott. Uh, I, you know, as part of Marriott International, they send you to what's called, you know, management training. So I went to L.A. and I was sitting there and they also send you to food school. So it's a, a, it's a very technical class on learning about food safety standards and food standards. Yeah. And so on the management training side, so I'm sitting in this class and I'm like, I'm watching the facilitator and I'm like, you know, that looks like a fun job. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and so... <laughs> So that led me to having conversations of them and me asking them, like, well, what does it take to be one of those? And tell me the career path and what, you know, what, what shits do I need to get punched in order to do that? And that's exactly what I did. And they gave me a whole laundry list of what I needed to do that. Obviously, I was working, you know, in a operations role, which I still, you know, which I still continue to do. But if I really wanted to get into the learning space, what would I need to do? And so they asked me to, you know, punch my ticket from an academic perspective. They wanted my ticket punched from a from a practical training perspective. So I spent a lot of time doing practical operations brace technical skills training, for example. And then they wanted me to teach at a academic level again. So I got a job at a community college teaching. Um, All led to the opportunity for me to then, you know, to be able to apply for a position within the group that leads leadership development and all of leadership and all training for all of Marriott. And I got to go interview. And of course, we had to do, you know, uh, if you will, you know, we had to do a demo and, and I got offered the job as a training manager, which was, uh, and then that just led to just a great career 
from a you know from a corporate perspective, 21 years at Marriott in various senior leadership roles, you know, in and out of the learning space, all within the context of human resources, and then allowed me to take that leap to go from a learning leader. They didn't have really a CLO, if you will, at Marriott per se, but ran the learning function. And then to being the CLO, they had that designated role at Hilton, but that was also part of the IPO. So being part of that entire transition at that time, this company, Hilton, was purchased by Blackstone, one of the largest private equities in the world. And then they were going to take that. They purchased it for $26 billion. Mm-hmm. And they then led the largest IPO in hospitality history, raising about $2 billion in capital um, to do that. And they're, of course, still, you know, and as a normal process from an IPO perspective, they continue to flourish um, and have done extremely well in, in, in that vertical as well. That's awesome. Um, if, if you have to look back at that arc that you just described for us in just a few sentences, was there, was there a point in time that just, or, or, or something that just put rocket boosters uh, behind your career? Well, one giving me having that experience to say that's something I really want to do. So that first initial was, and and then asking for the guidance from a career perspective, like what is it that I'm going to, if I really wanted to do that, what would it take to do it? And then just being extremely goal focused and to hit that punch list um, to be able to do that. And then I would say the other significant part of all of this was doing work internationally. So, which was always my dream and goal was to do work and to live internationally. So moving to London, you know, with Marriott was a really big deal to be responsible for all of learning outside of the continental US. So I had no responsibility for learning in America, which is where most of the action was, but it was very new entrepreneurial opportunities outside the US. So with heavy emphasis in Europe and then Hong Kong and, um, so I was really focused just really on Europe, but, you know, spending much of my time there, uh, I would just say from a personal perspective, again, going back to my, my vision statement and being an aspirational, better citizen of the world, that really helped uh, to, to better understand work. Because I think the, one of the key things that I would share in terms of decision-making, going back to the theme here, is that context is everything. Yeah. You know, so everything is about the external context, the external influences, the competitive landscape, and then all the internal factors, environmental, socioeconomic, political, um, obviously within an organization, uh, I think play a huge influence on the context, you know, influencing your decision-making process. Yeah. So let's dive into decision-making a little bit deeper can you help our listeners understand the process that you go through when you're faced with one of those big uh, multifaceted uh, organizational decisions? Sure. So I think, you know, it really starts again from an, or I'm going to take it from probably the most strategic, but, you know, as I've kind of articulated to you in the beginning, what it is from a personal perspective, I kind of go back to what it is from an organizational perspective. So one of the things I would say that Hilton, for example, did very well is set, setting the framework for purpose as to why are we all here working at Hilton? And then how does my individual role contribute to that? 
based on this, the values that Hilton has, based on then their vision, their mission in terms of what they're doing. So think of those as guide rails or guideposts in helping one, filters in helping one to, you know, helping one to make good, good and better decisions. Um, and you got to keep this in context that, you know, Hilton, 118 countries, you know, 20-something brands, 390,000 employees globally. You know, how do we seek alignment from an organizational perspective to navigate that so that we all show up, you know, uh, singing the same song in, in the right way, knowing that we're going to do the right thing? Uh, and having that sense of alignment is really important. And that, of course, that alignment all goes back up to leadership. And again, thinking about values, purpose, purpose, mission, and vision. Having said all that, that then, you know, when confronted with a business challenge in terms of making a decision, uh, one of the things that we always start with is the, you know, is the customer, you know, and really thinking about everything from a customer-centric you know, perspective, everything being focused on the customer and then the customer data. In the hospitality space, for example, we're extremely focused on loyalty and NPS scores and intent to return. So those are, you know, and then in terms of the decision, I think being able to define the problem statement uh, would, would be another one of the big things. Like, so what, if we were to define the problem or the business challenge, what would that be? Um, and then collecting that data and then using, I, I call it a really, you know, a, a, a divergent or you would say a convergent process and then a divergent process where you'd be seeking to collect, again, all that data around context in an effort to make the right decision to particularly solve that problem from an internal perspective and then from an external perspective. So first I was, you know, inside in looking in and then I'm inside in looking out, you know, so that insight in looking out, I think is very, very important so that one is not making a decision in a vacuum, that you're really taking again, a snapshot or a picture. And that, by the way, the snapshot's an important word because our decisions are based on a moment in time, right? right? So, and, and then the thought has to be that how is that decision going to have impact or consequences as a result of that decision that you make? And then I think we also have to ask the question around what are the unintended consequences or impacts as a result of making that decision? And so I, and there's lots of tools or models that one can use to be able to, to do that. I, I would say that's great. You know, uh, having a model or a framework to use, I think, is a very positive thing. Um, my thought would be is also to kind of stick to it. Use that, you know, is there a model in the organization that, that is helping you to make better decisions um, in that sort of converge, in that converging and diverging process um, to be able to do that? And, you know, I always go back again to the customer. So what is the voice of the customer saying? And in this case, when I say voice of the customer, I'm talking about the paying customer through the product and service that one might offer. And, and then as well, the internal customers that I'm having to, if, if, that were, if this was internally focused, uh, then what are the internal customers that I have? 
And then I would also seek to, for lack of better words, who's your kitchen cabinet? Who are the people that you would see within your immediate sphere of uh, influencers that would help? I like doing a influence chart, you know, like a bullseye, you know, at the center yep. uh, and then kind of expanding out. Uh, some people like to use a racy model, yep. you know, who's responsible, who's, you know, who's accountable, who's consulting and who's going to be informed. I like that. And I would probably say, you know, as we look to then make that decision, again, depending on what scale we're doing, if we're doing this from a project perspective, because that could be a big project, then I would look to, you know, executive sponsorship. And having an executive sponsor in the context of a project, very important. Um, and then in the context of self and individual, having a, in this case, I would say a coach, or someone that you know would serve as your mentor, depending on the decision that you're making, be it you know business-wise or professional. Wherever you seek that guidance, you know, for you personally and organizationally, for you looking through an executive sponsor, that's what I would see would be extremely valuable in terms of your process to be able to do that. And then agility, right? So that you're making the these when you make a decision, it's about being agile. So the ability to to switch and cut, you know, to turn quickly and to change directions. That, of course, is all based on feedback. So yep. uh, what sort of gates are you setting up? You know, and if you're doing a defined project, obviously there are milestone gates that are being set up. But if you're you know, doing this on a more personal level, it's like, well, how do you know that that's really working? How do you know that you're having an impact? How, what data do you have in order to make that decision that I need to, you know, I need to change, cut, switch, whatever that means. But I think what I am trying to emphasize here is around agility based on feedback then to modify, you know, the direction that you're taking. Yeah, I, I, I'm, my mind is still kind of focused on your inside, your outside in and then inside out uh, framework. I think that's going to be really helpful for our listeners to to think about that bi-directionality of uh, your decision-making mm -hmm. process, because mm -hmm. in, especially in large organizations, we get so focused on ourselves yes. and the internal yes. that, you know, we forget yes. about the customer and we forget about the world yes. around us. It really causes yes. big problems. It really does. And I, I can tell you working in, I've worked for some org, I've worked for an organization that really didn't want you stepping out of your cube, <laughs> you know, um, literally, they really didn't want you looking up and looking out. Yep. They didn't want to see you terribly engaged, at, you know, in those outside circles. And then I worked for another one that just that, oh, please go do all of that, yeah. you know, and, uh, Another reason, part of the reason why I, I am so involved, if you will, in so many other personally extracurricular things for the conference board, for example, is because it's really all about benchmarking. It's all about learning how other organizations are doing what they're doing, why they're doing what they're doing, what results are they, you know, what are they learning, what results are they having. And that's all in, in service of, you know, make, making better decisions and being more nimble, fast, agile, quick flexible and and then being able to to navigate this and when you work for large organizations like we do it's 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 not always you know easy to turn that ship right um you know to be able to make those decisions quickly and then to see the impact of that change so there is a level of what i would say entrepreneurialism that i would really want to see 
you know, further, you know, develop that. And yet at the same time, we all have to line up. But at, at but when we think about the only reason why organizations at the end of the day are really in business is to grow, you know, and if you're not, if you're not, if, if growth is not a key objective of one, well, I would say at a personal level or at an organizational level to, to grow, you know, cause if you're not growing, what are you doing? You're dying. You're standing so, still and you're you atrophying. Know. Yeah. So you, you gotta, you know, move towards growth. And, you know, in order to do that, are, are you taking those, you know, outside in, inside out approaches to be able to listen to the ground and turn to, and then, you know, we've had some great examples of what, where that's worked really well, you know, from, from all that we've gone through in the last couple of years with COVID, for example. And I would also just, the big thing that we haven't mentioned yet, but I think is such an influencer in the space as an enabler, not, not for just the, for the purpose of it, but is around technology and how digitalization and how digitalization influences or enables, you know, your ability to take things to scale, which is in support of growth, of it being repeatable and scalable. Yeah. Well, Kimo, we're going to take a really short break for a commercial. Uh, and when we get back, I'm going to ask you about your mentors and former bosses that were uh, really good at this. Thanks for listening to the Balancing Act podcast. I'm Andrew Tempty. In my book, Balancing Act, Teach, Coach, Mentor, Inspire, I explore the characteristics required of leaders who must find balance between strength and vulnerability, confidence and selflessness, passion and measure, and leadership and followership. Balancing Act is available today at Amazon.com. And we're back with Kimo Kippen. We're talking about decision-making in the workplace. Uh, Kimo, is there a mentor or a former boss or colleague that just had outstanding decision-making skills? What, what set them apart? You know, I, I can think of one immediately that comes to mind and to this day is, serves as a personal mentor and coach to me. Uh, and, and I would probably share with you that he was probably one of the toughest bosses <laughs> that I ever, ever had. And that's what I think I valued so much about him because it was never about me personally, but it was always about the work. Mm. And, and then he would go through a whole sort of process, even when he would just talk to me and say, you know, and he would have a, you know, a ton of questions that he would just ask as the leader, like, why are we doing this? You know, and, and then what I just found so fascinating, and again, for him as a, you know, this all decision-making is just such a, a, and such a strong attribute about what makes a great leader, you know, so that when it came to being a great leader, it, everything really then focused back to pers- you know, to purpose, to, 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 you know, purpose, values, mission, and vision. And, you know, you could just, you know, and you could just see the way his questions went, that it just aligns so well with that. And of course, we're talking about making business decisions. But there's a quick story. I'll never forget the day he said to me, he goes, Kimo, you know, I just, and I was the head of HR and, and for this brand, Renaissance Hotels. And he said, Kimo, he said, you know, the function that you're responsible for is, it has two words, 
human resources. <laughs> and he says, and I just want to remind you that first word that you uh, that makes the title up of human resources. And that's what I want to focus in on. So I want to make sure that we're making and in my role, if you will, as the guardian of of the human resources talent, you know, I want you need I want you to have a perspective or an opinion about this. And his one thing he said to me all the time is, Kimo, if you don't have eight zillion questions as the leader to ask about something, then you're not providing a value. You should be asking. You should be asking tons of questions. And you should be prepared <laughs> to be able to answer those questions to the best of your ability, which means do your homework. Yeah. You know, um, and I you know, read a lot, too, on this topic of what, truly what defines success and what truly defines the sex success is doing the work. Yeah. You know, then it's also doing the right work. Yeah. Well, that sounds sounds like a, a great mentor. Now let's uh, turn the tables a little bit here and have you be the mentor for uh, somebody else. So let's uh, run a quick thought experiment. Suppose you have an sure. early career manager sitting right in front of you right now who struggles to be decisive and isn't confident in their decision making. What advice do you have for them? Yeah, I I think. Uh, I strongly, I love a coaching model. Uh, so I would strongly suggest, you know, it's that notion of also, you know, soaring with the turkey, you know, soaring with the eagles versus flying with the turkeys. You know, so <laughs> I would encourage you to then think about well, who's, if you were to aspire to, to your next role or to a future role, who is what you consider to be best in class, you know, and, and then I would gobble up all that that's, that has to do with either that person and or their approach. I would then look to do some benchmarking. And then I would really seriously think about having a coach slash mentor. Um, and then I would want to encourage you to have a plan, you know, focus on that plan. You know, there are then what's the roadmap? What are the action steps? What's your career plan to be able to do that? Um, and then I would, again, have that coach get the feedback, but I would want to encourage you to take risks mm. uh, and uh, calculated risks. One of the things that I would just do from a talent, you know, leader, talent management and talent, talent perspective, as we're doing human capital reviews, for example, I'm always really trying to encourage how do we, again, how do we help the organizations, you know, move forward on talent to take greater risk with talent. And of course, I'm really focusing on how we're going to create a better playing field across the, from an inclusion and belonging perspective, that we are taking greater risks in this case and providing greater support to women and minorities in organizations to, to help them advance. And uh, so I try to, I really want to encourage that behavior. And I want to encourage, you know, the, this whole notion, you probably, Amy Emmonson's work around, for example, psychological safety, um, I, I'm a real strong believer in that, but that's in the culture of the organization. But where do you find safety and security within yourself and or your immediate network so that you can, you can take those, again, calculated risks to make those decisions, to be able to make better decisions again, to advance your career. And, and what I'm also, you know, from a career perspective, 
you know, up's not the only way. There's many steps that one can take sideways, upside, downside. I mean, moving back one step to move forward two steps, moving from a small organization, you know, it's the interest. And I, when I've coached people, you know, it's like, are they a, you know, are they a, are they a big fish in a small pond? And what would that mean if they wanted to become a small fish in a big pond? You know, what would that transition look like? What would be the steps that one would take to be able to do that? Yeah. So I think this is a great segue into my next question. You you and I talk about skills uh, all the time. And uh, what what I heard, you know, I heard psychological safety in that uh, in that last answer. But there was, uh, you know, courage, courage, the 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 ability to screw up the courage to actually make a decision. Uh, What what other skills uh, do you recommend that people really foster to become better decision makers? Thank you. I think that you hit on one that, again, let's just stay with the topic of courage. Uh, and along, I would say, with that goes grit. Yep. Um, and again, what we know that drives to success is the ability to get the work done. So, you know, execution is really important. Doing the work is really important. You know, having, again, a clear understanding, what I always kind of go back to is the customer um, is really important. Uh, knowing the business is is really important. Um, McKinsey, you may have you know probably seen this, but from a skills perspective, outlined this in four major buckets, which they had it being cognitive, interpersonal, digital, and self leadership. And where I always like to start in is in the bucket of self leadership, which you know I've hopefully tried to demonstrate from the beginning of this conversation, which is in terms of my self-management, my self-leadership, do I truly have, and this is, by the way, a lifelong pursuit as being a lifelong learner, but my level of self-awareness, you know, am I aware of the impact that I'm having on others in an organization and or people? And then, you know, leading to those, you know, from that self-leadership, then leading to these interpersonal skills, you know, and that no, the ability, of course, because we work, many of us work in organizations, you know, is the ability to get things done through others or and in a collaborative way. So that word around collaboration slash teamwork makes a huge, huge in, influencer on your ability to then get work done. And then when you think about this, at a, you know, again, at, 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 at a, you know, an enabling way, you think about the digital, you know, skills and knowledge that one has, or you think about the cognitive side of things, that you have the smarts, if you will, to do that of knowing your content area, or being a great subject matter expertise and having the, you know, having the, the skills, the functional knowledge, the functional skills to be able to do that. Right. Uh, that that to me speaks in the literal thing of of the, having the the knowledge of the business. You know, really. So the clear question I always ask is: Do you have a clear understanding as to how your organization measures its success? And I notice I didn't say money. Um, I said measures its success. Do you have a clear understanding around how that is known? Uh, and can you speak to it? Can you know it? Can you then describe? how your solution is solving a business challenge that then you can speak to that how 
you can articulate the impact that that made uh, in terms of, and from again, from a PM perspective, you would say what, you know, the benefits realized, you know, did it, did it really say, you know, did, when you put that business case together and you talked about the ROI, but taking it one step forward, did you actually then be able, can you articulate the benefits realized? Most organizations don't look, do that look back to say, can we really attest to the benefits realized, you know, in terms of, you know, did it achieve what it said that it was going right, to do? Right. Yeah. The, you know, the, uh, thank you for supporting our, our previous uh, mini series on business acumen and the importance of business acumen. There's a method to the madness here of why decision-making came after uh, business acumen as a, as a setup. So I fully agree that that's a key skill. Uh, you know, Kimo, we got to close the show out, but I got one more question for you. Okay. Uh, can you sure. tell us about what's going on at the conference board? Uh, number one and number two, yeah. what are you most excited about for the future of uh, learning yeah. and development? Yeah, I would say really kind of what's going on in the broadest perspective, you know, is if you look at the socioeconomic landscape, obviously the concerns around the economy, inflation, where that's all going, uh, obviously, 2023 is looks like it's going to be a rather soft year. Um, and of course, we're concerned around GDP. We're concerned around global GDP. Obviously, we're concerned about the socio-political, economic, what's going on in, in, in Ukraine right now, uh, what goes on from a sustainability ESG perspective and or, you know, from a sustainability slash climate perspective where that the impact that that's having. So all, all this from a, you know, there's, there's a lot to be concerned about. WEF, you know, the World Economic Forum is taking place as we speak today right. in Davos. Um, and, you know, the key thing that they were wanting to talk about there is what's going on in Ukraine uh, and the influence and, and how we kind of need to come together as a world to be able to help figure this out. And so this is kind of big, hairy, big, hairy, big, hairy challenges that the world is facing. Yeah. Uh, then kind of dropping this down to what I get really excited about from a learning and development perspective or from a human capital perspective uh, I, I would just, there is, in my mind, there is no greater time to be in our space slash HR slash, uh, you know, development, human development, just because of everything that's one is going on. And two, everything that we took for granted has was challenged or questioned. And that was a result of the pandemic. And so as a result of it, the landscape, the context is so significantly changed that everything that we thought before could have been a challenge, it, it's different. Whether better or worse, it is now different. Right. And then, you know, our ability to, to stay agile, stay nimble, be flexible, you know, I, I don't never think of it as the new normal. It's sort of the next normal. But what I would hope is that as a result of all this change that we've, we've all become better change agents. And again, this starts with personal resiliency, then to organizational, and you know, so we're spending a lot of time talking about mental health. We're spending a lot of time talking about then organizational health as it pertains to mental health, right? And there's lots of ways that we can go out and measure that. But I'm terribly excited about the opportunities given all the enablers and most importantly, from a mindset perspective, you know, from, you know, very low unemployment rates to very, you know, to the great resignation, all the things that we've been hearing about in, in the news. But I'm very excited about how 
human development, around the human being, is I, I think there's this tremendous sort of renaissance that's taking place and people kind of asking the big question, why am I doing what I'm doing? You know, and again, the thing I just always think about is like, Every day I vote with my feet, you know, am I doing, and so the question that comes for me, a very personal one is like, am I moving towards joy? You know, am I literally moving towards my purpose, you know, to no significant unconditional love? But that means, am I moving towards joy? And, you know, on most parts, I can answer that question wholeheartedly, 110% yes, that I am moving in a direction towards joy. Yeah. And that leads to making better decisions because your person is in alignment. That self-management yeah. we talked about is in alignment. Yeah. Well, uh, and I, 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 I'm, I'm telling the audience that Kimo and I did not have a conversation about this beforehand, uh, but Kimo, that you know, we're gonna, we're, we've launched. By the time this uh, podcast comes out, we will have launched uh, the personal purpose guidebook as a free resource on andrewtempty.com. <laughs> <laughs> and so download your copy today so that you can yeah. get after your personal purpose, your uh, personal vision, uh, and so that you can make better decisions. So Kimo, thank you. Thank you so much Perfect. for being on the show today. Uh, it was just an absolute pleasure. I'm sure our listeners got tremendous, tremendous value uh, from from the conversation. So thank you. Pleasure. Thanks, Andy. Anytime. Yeah. All the best. A lot. Yeah. So my name is Andrew Tempty. This is the Balancing Act podcast. You can find us on all of the major podcast services and out on YouTube now. Please like, subscribe, rate, share, all that fun stuff. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>